I give you that international sensation. What good is sitting alone in your room? Come hear the music play. Life is a cabaret, old chum. Hello and welcome to Queer and Now, the Talk Film Society podcast, where we take you on a time-hopping journey through queer cinema, going decade by decade to discover how it has evolved over the years. I'm Dave, and I'm here with my co-host, Manish Mother, and we're on to 2001. And we're going to take a look at a musical-turned-musical movie, Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, so, Manish, are you, you, I hope that you're excited about talking about this movie, um, because I am hyped about this. Yeah, it's, um, I would say it's one of the defining queer movies of the decade. Like, I think it's incredibly influential, important, um, and yeah, I think it's like, uh, to me, it's, this might be hyperbolic, but I don't think you'll say it's hyperbolic. I think it's like a the best expression of like what queer movies can do. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah. And sort of the way that it's kind of uh, defies like uh, like cinema form, like convention. Yeah, then, that's true. That's yeah, true. It's yeah, really, absolutely. It's such a, its own thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And this year, I mean, it was, I'm glad that we picked this, but there were other choices for yeah. sure. I mean, you've got Blow Dry, Gosford Park, Mulholland Drive, Itu Mama Tambien, one of the greatest movies ever made, period, yeah. queer or not. Um, so there were other options, but I think this, you're right. I think this does something interesting with the form of film that we can kind of take a close look at. Um, and in terms of having, uh, you know, queer people uh, involved in the movie, I mean, you don't get much more queer than John Cameron Mitchell um, who created this. So I think we're safe as far as that goes. So this is not just straight people jumping into a queer story and having their way with it. This is definitely a queer auteur behind this whole process. So, Yeah, I totally, um, yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think that it is so, um, so unique to his vision and mm-hmm. to his, um, I mean, it's such a personal film that like, yeah, it feels like um, that, uh, I don't know why I'm having trouble saying what I'm gonna <laughs> say, but like, it, yeah, it feels like it's um, so uniquely his that right. um, it's, it couldn't be a movie made by any other person, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. This is, it's got his stamp all over it. Um, I, this movie will always kind of hold a really special place in my heart because it's one of the few movies and musicals that I can say, like, I came to completely blind. Like, I didn't know anything about it going in. Um, A couple friends of mine, like, I was, I was dating someone at the time and another couple friend of ours was like, come over, you have to watch this movie. You, we know you like musicals, so you really yeah. have to you have to check this out. And they're like, we're not going to tell you anything about it. Just watch it. Mm-hmm. And there, I could not have been less prepared for this movie. Like, I just remember sitting there in their, like, upstairs bedroom, us all, like, on blankets or whatever, just watching this and just being completely spellbound by this. And just, like, realizing that, and this is so rare for someone who watches so much stuff 
like I have never seen anything like this before. Yeah. Like this yeah. is radical. This is revolutionary. Like this is the type of movie that, and they did this and I ended up turning around and doing this too. Like you just have to show everyone that, you know, like yeah. even if you hate this, I want you to watch it. I want you to experience this. I want you to experience headway because it is something that it's designed to be shocking and designed to be over the top, but also designed to be just like, one of the most wildly romantic films you've ever seen. And you can use that term in any number of ways yeah. in this movie. Yeah. And it really, really works. And it makes me so happy that it, like, if you had told me when I saw this, that a group like Criterion would put out Hedwig and the Angry Inch, I'd be like, that is never going to happen. Like this is no, no way. Uh, yeah. And yet here it is on the collection. Like it's one of the few, one of the few criterions that I bought at full price. Like I was just like, I have to have this as soon as I possibly can. And yeah. it's a movie like that. I cannot recommend highly enough. Like, because I think even if you're not like a musical fan, like it is a musical, but it's, it's presented in a way where the musical numbers are actual musical numbers. Hedwig is in a band and yeah. he's performing and the rest, it's not like the rest of the movie is sung speak, you know, it's like, it's just normal. And then you like leap into song when it's appropriate. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. like, just for the costumes, like, you know, the, the, like the wig in a box number, like you just, Oh my God. And like, it's one of those movies that I think everyone, when they watch it immediately has a favorite song. But then when you rewatch it, you realize like how well balanced this is that like every song is good. Like that there's yeah. not a single song in here. That's like no. a weak point. No. Like, it's just like, it's amazing that John Cameron Mitchell did this uh, because it feels like something that a musical theater creator would come up with like at the end of their career where they've like mastered the form completely and they figured everything out and they've honed it down to this perfect science, but it's also got the passion and the kind of revolution of a very young creator too. Uh, and it's just incredible. Like, and it's, it's to the point that I've heard other cast recordings of this and it just doesn't feel right to me when John Cameron Mitchell isn't in it. Yeah. You know, Doogie Hauser can do all the singing and dancing and drag he wants, <laughs> but I, he, I think Hedwig and it, it's John Cameron Mitchell. Like it yeah. just is. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned you can't get any more queer than him. There's a really funny story about John Cameron Mitchell. He also did a movie called short bus, which is mm -hmm. also really, really good. Yeah. And there's, yeah. yeah, there's an orgy sequence in that. And he makes a brief appearance in that orgy sequence. And as a joke, they had him going down on a woman and it was this, all the behind the scenes stuff. He's like, I don't know what, it, where is my head supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? Like <laughs> he has no idea. Like this, the idea of being near a vagina. He's like, I don't, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. this world yeah. so that is you know that's as queer as you can get and the you know the show the movie itself is so dramatically queer like in every single way like not just in the sexuality but just in the presentation of this movie like even if you're a fan of musicals there's going to be moments of this that kind of take you aback but yeah. like in a really good way like it shocking is the wrong word but it's surprising at kind of every turn every direction they take it yeah yeah i mean i have i agree with pretty much everything you said um so uh but when I first saw this movie, I was in college and I liked it, you know, definitely thought it was good, but I just didn't really, under I didn't like get it, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I think I was probably was hoping it would be a musical in the sense that like I was used mm -hmm. to it being, I was like used a to pure like musical. Roger and Hammerstein type. Right. And, you know, I, you know, I didn't really 
so it didn't click with me because I was just, it was, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And, sure. uh, you know, now I know not to judge movies like that, but it's hard uh, though, isn't it? Like hard, we have our yeah. expectations, especially yeah. within genre where yeah. we're like, this is what I want an action movie to be. This is what I want a mystery yeah. to be. And same thing with a musical. We have our preconceived notions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, um, but it wasn't until, I saw I saw it on stage, um, not with Neil Patrick Harris, oh. but with uh, John Cameron Mitchell himself. Oh, um, so the good version, good. Yeah, good, I good, saw good. it. Yeah, I saw it. In, actually, <laughs> well, at the time, I was like, oh man, I wanted to see Neil Patrick Harris. This is kind <laughs> of like when I was like uh, very much into Howie Mother and was did not hate Neil Patrick Harris like I do now. This is mm. very much like you, and, you star fucker. Listen to you, like oh, I just really got to see Doogie on stage. I'm so embarrassed by that. Uh, but you, I mean, the thing is that like I could not imagine uh, seeing it live. With I don't, I don't think I would love the movie as much as I do right. if I'd seen him or Tay Diggs or any of the people that was in that run. Right. Having seen the having seen John Carmichael in it, it was just so um, it felt revolutionary to see that. And I got and I really clicked for me what this musical was, which I mean, the thing is that like the stage show, it's a concert, you know, like it's not mm-hmm. there's no set changes. Um, you know, it doesn't go it doesn't it's not opened up like the movie is. So um, it's I'm. And it's, um, if I'm remembering correctly, it's like a, it's like a concert that it's like smaller than he's making it out to be. Like mm-hmm. it's at some rundown place and he has, pretends it's becoming like a bigger show. And um, like uh, Tommy Gnosis is on like the next, uh, like similar in the movie where he's like in the next venue and you can hear that concert. Cause that's like a big stadium show or something. Uh so, but it really hit me, sort of like the pain of this movie, the the romance of it, the artistry, the creativity, the queerness, it all just really just kind of like felt so immediate being on stage. And um, that that experience really got me into appreciating the film. And so when Criterion put it out, I was like, I got to get it. Very similar. I, I, I don't know if I, I'm, I don't know if I bought it full price or not. So, so sorry, but um but it was definitely i was like i want to get it and like i'm looking at the cover now i mean like i mean no one can That's see this so on a podcast beautiful. but look at this cover like yeah it's just it's, it feels so punk it feels like so sexy mm-hmm. it feels so defiant and yes um you know i watched this movie like in the beginning of the pandemic and not not for any reason except i just wanted to watch it it wasn't like uh but i was just like blown away by it and i just like found myself watching the the um the extras on the disc and reading the essays and just like it just feels so unlike anything you could imagine and right um it got you know when i watched it uh for this i actually watched it with a commentary Hmm. um and it was a good commentary informative very interesting but i wish i hadn't just because Hmm. i feel like i um I feel like I, I missed the magic of the movie. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. because I wasn't like watching it. I was like listening to the commentary and like, uh, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just incredible. And you're totally right. The songs, like there are no bad songs in it. And even the ones that like are my favorites now, um, where it was a different favorite last time I watched it. And right. from the show too, like, it's it's one of those musicals where you just kind of like a song really clicks with you in a different way every time. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And something you brought up that I absolutely love about this movie is there's so many supposedly talented directors who take uh, something from the stage, whether it's a musical or whether it's just a straight up stage play and put it on screen and they don't do anything. They just yeah. like, okay, this is how we did it on stage. So we're going to do it the same way here. And Hedwig ain't that like, they really, like you said, they really open things up and you, and you can almost feel John Cameron Mitchell being like, Oh my God, I can do that. This is what I always wanted to do on stage, but I didn't have the money or the vision to do it yeah. then. So he's yeah. really taking advantage of these moments where he's like, Oh, I can have this scene be outside. I can, you know, I can literally open the door of the, of the stage where we're at and see where Tommy Gnosis is at, you know, and you can use the, you know, these really cool animations that he ended up using for this that like are some of the most memorable visuals of a movie that is full of memorable yeah. visuals like yeah. the, the you know the origin of love sequence which is you know i i wonder if like you know kids now like teens early 20s would watch this and feel like that is not as revolutionary as i felt it was when i watched this in like 2002 um because i was in my 20s and my early 20s when i saw this but coming up queer at that time was i think very different from how it is now there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of discussion now of like gender and sexuality as a spectrum. And I never heard that when I was growing up, like it was like, you are either gay or you're straight and that's yeah. it. And this whole song is like, this is pansexuality in an anthem. Like, it's just like a legend, a myth about how people find one another. And it doesn't matter what gender you conform to, or if you do it all, or if you're like Hedwig kind of feel like you're trapped in between. I remember seeing this and I was like, like my mind was blown and I was like, I've never seen a movie talk about this in such a beautiful way. Like, I just remember seeing that animation for the first time and going like, this is art. Like this mm -hmm. is, this is not what I was expecting at all because like, yeah. I'm, I'm very easily wowed by musicals and it's, it's a, it's a piece that I've been working on in my head for years that I don't think I'll ever write. But basically the, the gist of it is like, I am so close to tears anytime there's a musical because yeah. I think music taps into emotion yeah. like so easily, um, not just for me, but for people in general. So when even the slightest emotional thing happens in a musical, I'm just a fucking mess. Like, I'm just like, I feel like I'm on the edge of my seat emotionally constantly. Um, and this is no exception. Like, you know, even the, the flashbacks, you know, with this like Marine who picks him up and it is both romantic and lovely and terrible terribly terribly sad yeah the way it ends and it just kind of breaks me because you see Hedwig just sitting there accepting this because this is all all Hedwig feels like he can hope for yeah in this life you know and it's just it's absolutely brutal and one thing I'm really happy that they didn't do because I watched some of the extras too and there's a bunch of deleted scenes um and the character of Yitzhak, who we find out is also in drag at the end of the movie. I remember that being, I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention, but, or because I'm just so focused on Hedwig. Uh, but the first time I saw that it happened and I was like, Oh my, Oh, Oh, cool. Like I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me that that person was also in drag, but yeah. there's a deleted scene where they show their meeting. Um, and you see like that person's presentation as very specifically a gender and then changing. And I'm so glad that we didn't get that because that reveal at the end of the movie is so wonderful and so romantic. You see Hedwig finally 
showing empathy and care to this person that you know there was something there before. And yet through most of the movie, it is like the nicest way to say it is contentious between yeah. the two of them. Like yeah, it's like yeah. jumping into a, a relationship that's dying and jumping into the fight. Uh, but you don't really see like the good times. So it's like, it's a really ballsy kind of move because yeah. your Hedwig's your main character. He's the one you're supposed to care about. And yet um, you're not sure if, Hedwig is a wholly good person because of the way he's treating this other individual. But then you get everything kind of filled in as the movie goes. And it is a remarkable, especially for a musical, remarkably patient movie. Like it really, really takes its time with character and doesn't decide to use simply song as character building. A lot of musicals fall into this trap where they're like, we don't have to do any of the real work of character because this lyric will tell you. Yeah, the ballads and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Um, Yeah, I mean, well, I'll kind of, um, I'll say this. I don't think Hedwig is like a good person, whatever that means. Um, But uh, I mean, I don't even like that phrasing because I'm like, none of us are like Mm. good people. I mean, I I am, but no one else. I mean, you're the best. Thank you. Thank you. You know, you're you're the example that we all. Oh God! What a horrifying! Again. What a horrifying sentence! Let's move on. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but uh, no, but I mean, I think that like what I like about this movie is that um, even with Hedwig being this in this very sad story, even with this you know lawsuit he's pursuing and the betrayal and all mm-hmm. the you know trauma and tragedies that he's uh, been uh, experiencing, that like it doesn't turn him into this sort of like maudlin saint, you know, it's his anger and his, um, his anger and his pain and his uh, disappointment, it manifests itself in so many different ways through this extremely creative spurts of music, but also through lashing out at people, Mm -hmm. um, through just kind of selfishness at times. And, you know, I really love that. And, um, I agree this movie is very patient. Um, it always kind of surprised me that it's like barely 90 minutes long. I can't believe it. It's like 95 minutes. Because like it feels, how? Yeah, it feels so uh, full. And uh, who has ever made a musical that's 90 minutes long? Like that has never happened yeah. in the history of musicals. They're all three and a half hours long. <laughs> well, uh, Jacques Demy made musicals that were 90 minutes long. Oh, okay. But, Easy, fancy. Um, you know, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Uh, oh yeah, that's the thing that ripped off La La Land, right? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Okay, exactly. okay, good. good. Um, <laughs> you know, he traveled. <laughs> yes, yeah, so the crucified for that, but that's okay. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's true. Um, <laughs> he traveled into the future, saw La La Land, and then made that movie. That, that Damien Chazelle, he really knows musicals. He knows so gonna... that musical. Um, uh, I don't like being I don't like being mean to blah land so I will no. apologize for my comments because uh, I like the movie but no but I think this movie is very patient and it feels so uh, it feels just so human and it allows I th- it gives this movie the space to be all these conflicting things it can be you mm-hmm. know I mean Hedwig uh, Hedwig both the film and the character can be these uh, contradictory things or contradictory mm-hmm. people Um and feels like, you know, she can uh, just be self-righteous, but also self-absorbed. And yes, <laughs> um, and I love that. And I, I, I love Hedwig as a character because I think she is so, um, she's just so human and so mm-hmm. just like, 
it's, it's endearing in all of her annoying traits as well. Right. <laughs> you know, like I you think... just kind of feel so much affection for her. Yes, absolutely. I, I think I am so... I'm so kind of strung along by Hedwig that it, yeah. I think it was like the third viewing before I kind of realized like, oh, she's kind of a piece of shit yeah, uh, in yeah. some of these moments. And yeah. it took me a long time to recognize that because she is really charming and really attractive. And you want to like be in that presence for the entire movie. Um, so much so that like when I first watched it, I was like, man, Tommy Gnosis is the worst. Yeah. What a piece of human garbage. And then I watch it more and more and I feel a little more empathy and a little more pity for Tommy. There is, there's a moment in this movie that always strikes me because I am a big proponent of there's a, I'm not going to get into this because this gets really pompous, but there's, there's a, (laughs) there's a really, yeah. Shocking. I know there's a really wonderful book. I think the great, that's ever been written called Man's Search for, for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And he's someone who survived the internment camps, the, mm-hmm. the Nazi internment camps. And he talks about the fact the thing that separates us from the animals is the fact that we can choose how we react to situations. Yeah. Even in the worst of situations, we can make it a little bit better, whereas animals just act on instant. Right. Yeah. So keeping that in mind, the scene that I keep thinking about is when she is in the car with Tommy, they're having their little moment and she realizes that he has misheard the lyric and sung it wrong and recorded it for all the world to hear. And I think she has Mm -hmm. two choices in that moment. She could be like me thinking this is so funny. Like this is legitimately hilarious. Yeah, Yeah. But instead she goes the other route and basically like you ruined everything. Mm-hmm. How dare you take our art and destroy it like this? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense now. Now it's worthless. And because I remember when I first saw it, and actually every time I watch it, when that moment when she realizes that the lyric is wrong, it makes me laugh. Yeah. When she when she turns to him and goes, did you just say what I, what? <laughs> and I always laugh and I always kind of forget that the next moment she turns on a dime and just like lays into him. And like just destroys him with her words. And then, of course, there's an accident and everyone, you know, everything goes even from bad to way worse. Yeah. yeah. But I always think of that moment and I'm like, that is not that's not the greatest way to react there, Hedwig. Like, you know, it doesn't nothing has changed. And I, I do sometimes have a hard time believing that she has never listened to his version of it close enough to notice that because Hedwig kind of notices everything. Like very, very sharp. Hedwig's like a hawk. Like nothing really gets past her um, unless she chooses for it to. So I think it's interesting that Tommy in more than one ways is is her blind spot. Like, and probably always will be. Like it's it's a shocking moment when they get together again in that that scene. Because the whole movie, it's just like, he's a monster. He's the worst. I can't stand him. But who among us has not said that about someone that we are still attracted to? Yeah. Like, oh, God, what? A, oh, the worst person. I would never, ever spend time with them again. And then you have an opportunity and you're like, well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe I can do that. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally um, I, I agree. I think, um, you know, in, in some ways that that whole scene when she like lays into him, I always feel like, well, I'm I'm always kind of questioning of like how like what am I supposed to be thinking like what's the mm. sort of intention behind this like am I supposed to be like yeah Hedwig is totally right or kind of like you know it's not really fair for her to say that because Tommy has his own thing going on um, and 
I think that like the more I watch it and sort of the older I get, the more I see the way you see it, which is like, this is like kind of a funny thing that happened. And also like Hedwig's own blind spot and own, mm-hmm. um, she, I, I think in some ways she's so self-absorbed. I don't think, I actually kind of do believe that she mm. either didn't listen yeah. to it or only heard her version of it mm, maybe, um, and didn't, didn't actually hear it for what it was until she was with him. Um, but it's kind of like I, I also am I'm also sensing a lot of empathy for Tommy the more I watch it because mm-hmm. um, I I don't think Hedwig is the um, innocent little bystander that she claims to be or the wronged party. I mean, of course, she's a lot has been done to her that's wrong, but sure, you know, she could also just kind of like drop this and like move on and not be so obsessed with Tommy, you know, like it right. sucks that this is what happened, but also she could just kind of live her life. Um, but instead she's literally always chasing after him literally and, you know, emotionally. Right. Um, and I think that's what makes this character so, um, so sad, but also so um, relatable. Cause just like mm-hmm. you were saying, you know, we've all kind of been in the position where we chase after people that have done us wrong because it's like, that that approval is so intoxicating that uh, it's hard not to um it's it's hard to resist it because Mm -hmm. and just like how she turns you know she completely changes her tune when she's into her and tommy like yeah we've all been there and yes yes uh relatable yeah it's strange that i guess like uh, the guy who played Tommy became like the biggest quote unquote star to come out of this movie. Yeah. Uh, Michael Pitt has had like a pretty successful little career. And every time I watch this movie, I just, every time I see him, like you just look like a drowned rat. It is the hardest part for me to believe. And of course there is no rhyme or reason when it comes to who people are attracted to. Right. Yeah. Um, but like, I see the two of them together and I'm like, how is this you can you can do better than this what, what are you doing um but yet that sequence like honestly the most heart-wrenching part of this movie for me is the the flashback with the two of them together and it basically becomes clear that he that tommy is not really accepting hedwig for who she really is yeah like there is that line like love the front of me then and i was like oh god ow like that yeah. is that's so brutal and it's said with such pain and such emotion by john cameron mitchell that you just you feel it deep deep in your heart and it's just like and you see you see hedwig picking a fight and it is uncomfortable i think for most people probably but definitely for me uncomfortably reminiscent of how i've behaved in relationships where you're just yeah. like i'm gonna push this right i know that this is gonna end in a fight but this is important. So I'm going to push this as far as it will go. Yeah, I know yeah. he's going to get mad at me. I don't care because this needs to be said. So I think that's another thing that like gets me on Hedvig's side, especially the first couple of times I watch this is that it's not for me, it's not the wronged idea of, you know, him stealing the music. Like that is obviously a thing, a plot device that's going on. But yeah. for me, it's like the, the feeling wronged in the relationship of like, mm-hmm not truly being accepted for who she actually is. And, yeah. And that's kind of been a feature of all of her relationships that we see in the film. Yeah. It's like, you know, like basically ends up changing herself for this GI, you know, and then that ends terribly. And mm. even in some ways, like changing herself for her mother. And like, it's all this big, big pattern. And 
you know, it does make me sad for the character that it doesn't seem like she's ever been with anyone who truly accepts her for who she is, all parts of her. Like she has never gotten that, which I think is a lot where of this like pettiness and this rage really comes from is like, I have to play the part. Yeah. Because no one's just going to accept me as I am unless I'm big and bold and I'm Hedwig, not just Hedwig, this yeah. person, you know? And every time I watch it, I remember that. And I'm like, man, this is rough because like you are so charmed by her in her rock star persona. And then yeah. when you when you see her kind of dressed down, that's when things really, really start to hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um if it's 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 so sneaky how this movie really operates, you know, and uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, when I'm watching Hedwig do her act, you know, even in sort of these like random places like that coffee shop or whatever, like she's funny, you know, she's a good entertainer. Like she has, she owns it. Every she owns moment. it. Yeah. yeah. And she's able to take all of the stuff that's gone on in her life and make it funny and charming and entertaining and stuff. And, um, I totally get sucked into that and be like, okay, yeah, like this is just her anger, but it's also like her anger, but delivered like a stand-up act, you know, or like her frustration with her career and the fact that like she's in some like, you know, bar and not, you know, a stadium or whatever. That's just like part, that's like part of the joke. That's part of the act. Right. But there's actually so much, um, there's so much just like, um, uh, like uh, hurt and torment and and uh, re- and resentment around that, and um, you know I that line that you quoted like love the front of me. I think that's so much. You know, it applies to I think everyone that she meets, and right. it's. Um, I mean, of course, it's you know, obviously I think it's a central theme of the film. I don't think we're uncovering like right. this like secret interpretation, but um, <laughs> but I think that sort of like. Um, it's like, even as an audience member watching the movie, we're sort of so entertained by Hedwig, the performer, that I don't even think that, like, it it, it took me a while to love Hedwig as mm-hmm. her and not the performer yeah. and to, like, not get swept up by the, um, like, the flashy visuals and the, the, the comedy and the, like, catchy songs. Like, it's like, yeah, that's a part of the movie too, but there's also this, like, beating heart inside that's full of, pettiness and anger and sadness and love and creativity and and self-loathing self-love all that stuff yeah and you know of course that that love the front of me line um it's got to be really impactful and powerful for anyone in the trans community because there are you know so many people especially trans folk who pass um who end up with you know heterosexual partners it's just like that no this is a part of me too and i yeah. need you to recognize that doesn't mean i need you to focus on it but this is a part of me but i think also it's you know speaking from my own experience it's very impactful as a member of the queer community in general of being in and i think you know most queer people have done this have been in secret relationships mm-hmm. right where you couldn't tell anybody and you couldn't be front facing to the world and hold your partner's hand in public because they didn't want to, because they weren't comfortable yet. They were still in the closet. And that is painful to not be able to be, you know, your most complete self in that moment, in those moments with your partner. And so I watch this and I think about that from my own perspective, like, Oh yeah, I've been there. And that sucks. It sucks when your partner is like negating a part of you or being less than honest about 
what your relationship is because they're afraid of being judged or being seen a certain way when all you want to do is celebrate with that person. Because I truly believe in that moment, that's all Hedvig wants is just wants a real, full, physical relationship with her boyfriend. And she can't have it. It's always just like from behind. And I don't want to look at the front of you and we're not going to do that. And then we're not kissing and we're not, it's just sexual acts. It's not romance. And, and she desires that so deeply and you can feel it all the way throughout this movie. I mean, I think that's why when she's young, she gets swept off her feet by this GI and it's just like, Oh, someone who says that he cares about me. And then she realizes pretty quickly after coming to the States that she's utterly replaceable and what a horrible lesson to have to learn what a painful lesson to have to learn. And, you know, what you talked about um, how this movie doesn't necessarily use its songs for pure character building, but it does use it for intense emotion. Yeah. You know, that wig in a box song, which I love, which will probably always be my favorite song on this. Cause it like is the one that hooked me in the first time I watched it. Yeah. Like there is such at the start of that, there's such deep, deep sorrow in John Cameron Mitchell's voice, like of that, you know, these nights like this, like just being alone and using her art to cheer herself up, which who hasn't done that, you know? And the nicest thing I think I can say about this movie out of many, many nice things is, man, this movie really makes me wish I could sing. Like, I just like, man, this is so good. And every song is so fantastic. And I would like to sing along with this without having to hear my own voice. Uh, Cause it's so, so wonderful, but it's also a musical that doesn't feel out of range for a lot of singers, which is nice too. Like I love stuff like Les Mis, um, yeah. but not everyone can sing Bring Him Home because that is a very certain octave that not many people can hit. Um, but this feels, like you said, like punk rock, like approachable music, and but it still really works at that core emotional level. Yeah. Yeah, I totally, um, I totally agree with everything you're saying. I think it's, um, it's, <laughs> yeah, this is like the kind of musical that feels so... Um, it just doesn't have that, that like um, it's like the emotions behind it are so grand and the themes and sort of this like emotional journey is so uh, just feels like it's on a larger scale that it's that the songs are so like, yeah, they're just like hummable. They're just like songs mm-hmm. that like, yeah, when yeah. I could say, I mean, I, I can't sing them, but like people could, <laughs> I guess. Yes. Um, and, and like, yeah, like it's just so, I don't know, like, this movie just feels so just like it's so just like humble and honest mm-hmm. and um it doesn't really have any pretensions to it. it doesn't have any um anything that's like too um too like pompous or or like whatever mm-hmm. it's just so just like it's its own thing and it's a, such a be- it's such a beautiful movie i really like i you know you've brought up the trans community and i'm sort of like wondering like um you know, we're both two cis guys. I don't want to speak mm-hmm. for them. I would sure. hope that this movie is, you know, accepted by some trans people. I'm sure there are some that don't like it at all. Sure. But I would love to know, like, what the reaction is behind oh, it. Oh, definitely. Feels. Does yeah. it feel... Because, I mean, John Cameron Mitchell himself is cis, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, I would wonder, um, you know, if, you know, if, if, the, if that's sort of, like, 
the, the, a lot of the emotions behind this movie, does that feel, is that representative of yeah. you know, what Transvolk you know, experience? And I would hope it is, because like, I, I think that this movie feels very authentic. But Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you talked about like how it seems so, even for a revolutionary musical, like very down to earth. And I think that's the thing that surprises me about it the most is that if you said like, oh, there's a genderqueer kind of drag musical, you, I think you have certain expectations in your head where you're just like, oh, it's going to be huge and everything is going to be a dramatic number. And it's kind of not like that, right? Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of humble in the way it performs. Like, yes, there are amazing costumes. There are amazing numbers that is all Hedvig. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's like when you watch, you know, one of those shows like Drag Race or whatever, where you have some drag queens who clearly have a lot of money backing them and some who are kind of punk rock. And it's much more the punk rock aspect where you can yeah, see yeah. how Hedvig is putting herself together um, throughout the film. And it, because of that, it feels more real. It feels like, oh, this is actually a real person, not a drag persona. Like this is Hedvig, like, yes, Hedvig will sometimes dress down and take off the hair and the eyelashes and the makeup and the dresses. But Hedvig is still that same person underneath. Like there's not this drastic, like, oh, now Hedvig deepens his voice and he's a man now. Like, it's not like that at all. It's just like, it's just me without the gigantic wig. And I'm going to still be myself, Right, uh, right. which is really powerful. And I just, I love it, Manish. I just, I love it. And every time I talk about this movie and it's happened again, all I want to do right now is go watch it again. I just just watched it like three days ago. Yeah. yeah. I'm just like, ah, God, just want to watch Hedvig again. Like, and and like when I watched it, my friends who made me watch it the first time, the first thing I did after I watched it was text them, just tell them I was thinking about them. Cause like uh-huh. I always associate this movie with them. Cause there is a really truly powerful thing of showing a movie to someone and them falling in love with it. Like there is a real powerful moment I there. Know. And I, you know, as the person who's constantly recommending movies to people, I hope that, you know, that has happened to other people once in a while where they're like, yeah, Dave recommended I watch this movie and it was really, really good. Um, Because that's the experience I had with this. And I just immediately think of them and it just kind of, and I haven't seen them in years, but it like just puts a smile on my my face to remember that day, that that evening where I was just sitting in a friend's house watching this thing that I had no idea what I was getting into, not knowing that it was going to become one of my favorite movies immediately. And that's just such a fun moment to relive. And it also makes me happy to rewatch this and go like, oh no, it is is actually good. Like It wasn't just like that moment where I'm like, wow, this is incredible. And then you rewatch it five years later and you're like, hey, it's okay. Like, it's fine. And this just, every time I watch it, like I just kind of get that rush of watching something completely different even though it's a movie i've seen before yeah no i mean i um yeah i just feel this movie is just so powerful and it really inspires that kind of feeling in people and you know to have it on blu-ray in such a like beautiful edition mm. um it just feels like it's the kind of like treatment that Hedwig herself deserves, you know, to yes. be so yes. honored and, and loved and uh, appreciated and celebrated. Uh, this movie, like, it feels like a celebration in a lot of ways, um, even though like it's very sad, but it just feels like mm-hmm. there's this authenticity to it. Um, whether, you know, authenticity for trans people or not, I'm not going to say that, but like authenticity to John Cameron Mitchell's um 
career and his vision um, and, you know, that this movie went from off-Broadway to film to Broadway. It's mm. just like, and it's, you know, I, of course I didn't see it when it was first playing because I was like, I was like five, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> right, I, I right. Don't know when that was, but uh, I was very young. Um, but uh, seeing it go from like stage to screen and back to stage, like, and still be intact and still feel like a very personal thing, Right. Um, that just means that this like this concept is so special and yes. so it's uncorruptible. You know, I mean, I yeah, I yeah. didn't see you know I didn't see any of those other actors playing it, but I imagine that they were. I don't think that they ruined it. Um, maybe Neil Patrick Harris did, but who knows? <laughs> uh, but um, I think that like they kept the integrity of it, and uh, because this thing is just untouchable. I think you know. Yeah. If they were to remake this movie, which I don't know why they would, but I mean, mm. stranger things have happened. Yes. Um, or make it into a miniseries or something. <laughs> uh, I, I don't, I even could imagine that being well done and well received because, like, the story itself is just so, um, just so full of life and heart and yeah. excitement it's, and tragedy and all that, all those. Yeah, it's just, it's just so pure. Like it yeah. just, I don't want this sullied with like a weird sequel or yeah, like a yeah. mini series. I don't need right. that. Right. All right. So now we move to the Russo test. Um, yeah. So number one, the film contains a character that is identifiably lesbian, gay, bisexual and or trans. I think pretty obviously that that is the case. Yeah. Um, and then that character must not be solely or predominantly defined by their sexual orientation or gender identity. And do you think, um, do you think Hedwig or any of the other characters are solely identified by gender identity in this? I don't think so. I mean, how could yeah. you be if you're the main character and you wrote and directed it? Like, yeah. although, although, I think so much to Hedwig. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think that's absolutely true. Although I, I think this is probably one of the most impressive things about the movie is that it doesn't, I mean, it's literally called Hedwig and the Angry Inch. There's yeah. a song yeah. about like, which defines who Hedwig is, you know, with their, uh, with their gender expression. And yet it's so much more like absolutely so much more. I think this movie um, is about Hedwig resisting that definition and sort of breaking out of it. You know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then number three, the LGBT character must be tied into the plot in such a way that their removal would have a significant effect. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious that you remove Hedwig from Hedwig and the Angry Inch uh, that you probably wouldn't have much of a movie. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So it passes the Russo test. And one thing we didn't do on our last episode, because I am the worst host in the world, is talk about uh, what we learned Oh um, yeah. That's what, yeah. Which we usually do. That's how you can tell it's been a long time since we recorded. <laughs> um, but what about with Hedwig? What is there something that you feel like, especially after watching this numerous times that you've learned or are learning from this? Um, you know, I think what I find to be so beautiful about this movie is the joy of authenticity and sort of owning mm. your yourself and not letting uh, your circumstances or what's happened to you define you. And um, yeah. And so that's, so that's something that I was kind of take away from it. It's just this idea of like, the um the the celebration of of your of owning yourself and being mm -hmm. in um 
you know, being so authentic to yourself. And I think even just on a formal sense of just like, uh, or a technical sense, just like how, um, like how much a movie can be so simple on the surface, uh, but then also have so much underneath and, you know, can both be this sort of like, you know, good time concert movie where there's a lot of good songs, a lot of good acting, really funny, but then like, you can also watch it on the level of just having so much meaning behind it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, like I'm kind of realizing this as we're talking about it right now, but like, so my sexuality, like I tend to like lean towards like just calling myself bi because like, I don't know, like I think the general public, they start hearing things like pansexual or sapiosexual or whatever, you know, they kind of of roll their eyes and tune it out. Right. So I don't want to shut down those conversations with people outside of the queer community. So I tend to just say that I'm bi, but I'm definitely pansexual. Like that is like, if I were going to use a term to define myself, that would be it. And I think that this movie was kind of my awakening towards moving away from bisexuality into pansexuality is that before this, I don't think I, and again, a lot of it is because of like lack of exposure that I knew of to trans folks yeah, um, or people who were along the gender spectrum somewhere that wasn't one end or the other. And I always thought like, well, I'm attracted to men and women and, you know, like, so I'm bi. And then this made me realize that like, and not to be this person, but like, I just think like gender in general is bullshit. Like, it's just like, we are all on a spectrum. So it's ridiculous, I think, to quantify it in these binary ways. Um, And this was the first time I think realized that that like gender, like I, you know, heard, you know, gender's a spectrum, sexuality's a spectrum, but I think we all have a moment where we're like, where the light bulb goes off and we're like, oh, like this, this is what you're talking about, that gender is kind of a spectrum and figuring out what gender queer and gender fuck is. And watching this was like just mind blowing on so many levels. And it's the moment I realized that like, oh, this actually kind of defines my sexuality. Like this really hits like, you know, figuring out I was by uh, was thanks to Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix. Yeah. Um, and finding out I was pan is thanks to John Cameron Mitchell. So this is just such a really important movie for me. And it just hammers home the fact that we really need when it comes to filmmaking, we need all perspectives. Right. Because like if you don't have a mind like John Cameron Mitchell to make this movie, who knows how long it takes me as a human to kind of catch up with my own attractions and my own, own the desires. Right, and I think, right. I think art is like, I, you know, it sometimes it feels pompous to talk about film as art, but it really is. And yeah. it does matter to me. Like, I would love to say like, Oh, you know, none of that stuff matters. We watch movies to have fun. And yes, we do watch movies cause it's fun, but the greats, the one that the ones that really attach themselves to you are art. Right. And I count Hedwig in that. So it's like a reminder to me that even if a movie is fun, even if it's a good time, even if it's a musical that has great songs, there's more depth to it than that. Right. There's lots of musicals with great songs. I'm sure Dear Evan Hansen is great. But uh, (laughs) but this is different. Right. 
And it's important for us to remember the movies that stand out to us and to do a little investigation as to why. Yeah. Right. Because there's always a reason that a movie jumps out at us and just kind of grabs hold of us like Hedwig did with me. And I think I'm figuring out now, like, just exactly why is that it is what a it was a seminal movie for me not only in movie watching, but in like my yeah. own personal growth. Um, so it was just kind of a treat to revisit this with you. Well, thank you for sharing all that with me. Sure. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's so, this is, this is what this movie does. Like it just, mm-hmm. it really opens you up. Uh, yes. Opens everyone up. So yeah, yeah. absolutely. All right. So that is it for episode on Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Uh, you know, the next movie is just basically the same as this, like, no, no different. Just the same kind of expression of yeah. sexuality. We're going to watch Far From Heaven. Um, so it's just going to be just like that. Um, I'm sure at some point, uh, Julianne Moore will break into song uh, and put on a wig and it'll be great. Um, so that will be the next movie we watch. <laughs> uh, but in the meantime, Manish, where can they get more of you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Manish 89 And uh, the best place to find my writing is go on Twitter because I'm kind of all over the place these days. <laughs> Yes, and you can find you? me. Yeah. You can find me at Darn That Dave, and you can find our podcast at Queer and Now Pod. And we'll see you next time. Talk to you. Talk to you. Talk to you. Talk to you.